Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We were in John 6 in Sunday school this morning, but uh, this morning it will be in John chapter 21. We're going to look at uh, several verses this morning, so just just buckle up. We're going to read through some of the text here, but I, I want to start off by saying this. There is a difference... There is a difference between knowing information about Jesus and truly knowing Jesus. Amen? Difference. Big time. We're going to start in John chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 1. Good place to start, right? After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to himself, or said to them, sorry, said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul in the net because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments, for he was stripped down for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in, came in the boat, dragging the full net of fish. They were not not far from land, about a hundred yards off. And when they had got to land, they saw... The charcoal fire in place with the fish laid out on it and the bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many in the net, it did not tear. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Now, some of the disciples dared not ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's keep going in verse 15. This is an interaction between Jesus and Peter. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16. And he said to him a second time, Simon of Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. Verse 17. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him 
the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted to, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and carry you and you will go places you don't want to go. This is the word of the Lord this morning. I want us just to think about this. We start out, can, can you imagine, let's just set the scene here for just a minute. This, this picture that you see here, Peter and, and several of the disciples of Jesus are on the shoreline. They're on the, they're on the shore and they're, 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 some stuff has really heavy gone on. Christ has just been crucified. Not, not just a couple of chapters back. Christ has been crucified on the cross. We, they see that the, the man that they followed for the last three years has been crucified and shed his blood on the, on the cross and they're at a loss. They're at a loss. Think about this. They've been, they've been following Jesus for this many years and they were all in. If you go back to John chapter 6, they, Peter has this conversation with Jesus says, because Jesus says, hey, are you, are you willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood? And everyone leaves except for the 12. And he says, you want to go too? You can leave. And Peter says, where else can we go, Lord? You're the one who gives us eternal life. So he's, in the idea, Peter says, we're all in. We've gone all in here. And they watch Jesus be crucified. This is how short-sighted they were. Because he, kept, he, he told them the entire time, listen, I'm going to lay down my life. But three days, three days later, I'm going to come back. This is proof that people don't listen. Amen? <laughs> and so Peter and his several of the disciples, they're, they're on the shoreline. And they're sitting there. They're probably, it's on, they're on the beach and they might be throwing rocks. I don't know what it is about guys and water and rocks. Amen? Any men in the room? You get close to a beach and you've got some pebbles, you've got some rocks. We, we start to cast them. I know it's not in the text, it's conjecture, but that's just my mindset, is that they're probably throwing rocks into the sea. And Peter in his frustration, Peter in his loneliness, Peter in his regret, says, I'm going to go back to what I'm familiar to. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. And he gets up and he he goes out and tries to clear his mind and says, I'm going to go fishing. The rest of the people said, whoa, 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 we're going to go with you. We'll, we'll go with you. Because Peter says, I'm going, this is what I'm familiar with. This is what I know. I did this for a living. I know that I can do this. I'm good at this. I'm going to go fish. Right? And so they go out and they fish all night. And how much did they catch? To add insult to injury, how many fish did they catch? A big fat zero. Right? Not one fish did they catch. We'll find out why here in a minute. But they don't fish. They don't catch anything. But sometimes it's, it's good to be with people you know when your world's falling apart. And so in their minds and their thought processes, the, their world has just fallen apart. And so they're trying to get back to some normalcy. They're trying to get back to something that is, that is something that they can understand and they know. And just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. So 
They see a figure of a man. They see a figure. Now listen, Jesus is, we see from the text, this is the third time that he's revealed himself. So there's probably rumors going on. Hey, he's back. He's here. But they don't, Peter doesn't know this yet. And what was the last interaction that Peter had with the Lord Jesus Christ? He looked at, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And what Peter said, not me. I'm ready to die for you, Lord. I'm going all in. I won't deny you. How foolish we think we are when God says something and we think we know better. Can you imagine that? Peter, Peter looked at Jesus and said, not me. Jesus just told him, hey, you're going to do this. And he said, no, I won't. And he said, I, I prayed for your protection. But this is what's going to happen. And you remember that as they were in the courtyard, Jesus is being beat, mocked, scorned. And they see Peter and they say, wait a minute, he's with him. He's with Jesus. And they, not me. I, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who he is. Right? Remember that? And then he, another young little girl said, hey, we saw him with Jesus too. He's part of the group. And he said, no, no I'm not. I am not. And the third time he does, he denies it in such a way. He uses a curse word and an oath, a vile term. I don't know that guy, that filthy. No, I don't know him. Imagine that. And then the second that that happens, the rooster crows. And the scripture says that Peter went out and wept bitterly in repentance. So he just denied the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the last interaction. So that's going through his head. Guarantee it. He's thinking to himself, I can't believe I did it. Anybody in the room ever, I can't believe I did that? Anybody? Jesus knew that Peter would deny him and still came after him anyways. Let's keep going. So they've been fishing all night. They got back early and they're physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. And they see a figure of a man standing on the shoreline. And he calls out and says, Children, caught any fish? No, we haven't caught anything. Interesting enough, that's how Jesus starts his ministry in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. Remember that he told them, hey, listen, caught any fish? No, we, we fished all night. Called him master. Master, we fished, we fished all night. We've caught nothing. And he said, well, throw your nets over on that side of the boat and you'll catch some. You know why they didn't catch a single solitary fish? Because Jesus told the fish, don't come near them. Go to the other side of the lake and wait till I tell you what to do. And the fish all obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went over and they stayed on the other side of the lake until Jesus told the 153, jump in that net. You 153, jump in the net. So Jesus tells children, no, no, haven't caught a thing. Verse 6, he said to them, cast your nets off to the right side of the boat and you'll find some there. You know why they'll find some there? Because Jesus told them to be there. And so they start, all of a sudden, deja vu. Oh, wait a minute. I remember this. I think I've seen this movie before, right? <laughs> and, what, what, and I love how John describes himself. The disciple who, Je, who Jesus loved. Don't ever call himself John. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Looks at Peter and says, oh! 
It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Peter, Peter's not going to miss out on this. Peter does, he's a compulsive, just put his foot in his mouth. Anybody else? Just compulsive, put your foot in your mouth occasionally. I don't do that ever. Right? He, he gets, he hears the moment, he doesn't wait. They're a hundred yards off from the shoreline. And Peter does not wait. He leaves his fellow crew members behind. Puts it, remember, the scripture says he was stripped down for work, so he'd been working. He, his garment was in the way. He throws his garment back on, jumps into the sea, and swims towards the shoreline. He's not going to miss out. If this is the Lord, I want to get close to him. I want to be next to him. I want to see my king. That's Peter's idea here. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to miss out on this. I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fast. <laughs> He's not waiting. He knows Jesus. He doesn't know just about Jesus. He knows Jesus. And he does not want to be away from him any longer. He wants to get as close as humanly possible to get to Jesus. So he jumps out of the boat and swims towards the shoreline. Look at the verse. Verse 7. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he'd stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. It wasn't just sort of a, oh, well, it's the waters, maybe something's in the water. He doesn't care what's in the water. He doesn't care what's around him. He doesn't care what the disciples are doing. Even they're hauling in fish. They're working. He's like, listen, y'all can handle this by yourselves. I'm going to Jesus. So he goes in, swims up to him. I'm telling you, there is a difference between knowing information about Jesus and knowing Jesus himself. And Peter knew Jesus. He spent time with him. He got dirty with him. He worked with him. He he ministered with him. Peter was a close confidant, a close friend of Jesus Christ. And there's so many people in this town who know information about Jesus. They like the idea of who Jesus is from afar. Especially around the holidays. At Christmas and Easter, we love the idea of Jesus. This place on Easter Sunday, we'll have a whole lot more people here. You know why? Because we have this, in, this mindset of, oh, I like that Jesus. We like the information about Jesus, but man, we're not big fans of the Jesus who calls us into stuff. We're not a big fan of the Jesus who demands things of our lives. The Jesus who says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The Jesus who tells you to give up everything and follow him. That's... That's the hard, that's the tough one, but that's the biblical Jesus. This other Jesus that we like, the little baby Jesus, like it's, it's blasphemous. I think of the, the movie Talladega, Talladega Nights. I watched it, but the, it is a blasphemous film. It is an egregious blasphemous film that will, those two men will have to give an account to God for how they blaspheme the holy name of God in that film. I think of my, I like my Jesus like a baby who's omnipotent in the golden fleece diaper. Oh, 
goodness, I'm fearful for those men's lives. Because they have blasphemed the name of the holy God of the universe. There will come a day when those of us who have blasphemed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will not be giggling and laughing and saying, I want my Jesus to wear a, a, a Led Zeppelin t-shirt at a concert. Oh, no, no, we will not. There will be a day of reckoning for that. And I'm telling you, the Jesus of the Bible is different than the Jesus that we like, we, we like to make up in our heads. But here's the thing. When you get really connected into and plugged into the person and the work and the relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a glorious thing that causes things to just be lighter Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, Jesus said, my burden is light. Amen? My, my yoke is easy. And I get it that, it that so many people want their own way, want their own thing. We're selfish. Listen, human beings are narcissistic. We just are. We are narcissistic. We are all about, we are big I, little you. We're selfish. We want our own desires. But what would it look like if all of us in this building had a desire to have a relationship like this with the Lord Jesus Christ? The kind of relationship that says, I'm going to abandon all things. The kind of relationships that that would have you jumping out of a boat, not concerned about what people thought, what what people said. You're not concerned about the environments around you. The kind of relationship that had you abandoning everything else for the sake and the name and the renown of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kind of relationship that has you laying down your life for the cause of Christ. Amen? This is the kind of relationship that Peter has with Jesus. You say, wait a minute, Caleb. You just told us the last time that Peter and Jesus were together, he denied him. That's a a bad deal. Amen. It is. It's a bad thing. And just because he had a desire to follow Jesus doesn't mean he he was perfect. He wasn't. He had fallen short, just like Romans chapter 3 tells us. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Peter's sin is no worse or greater than your sin. You've sinned just as egregious. You've denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe not with your mouth, but with your your lifestyle. Every one of us in this room have had a moment where we have denied the Lord Jesus Christ. But just because he fell short, his overarching, Peter's desire, just like David's desire was, I want to please the Lord and I want to get in close proximity to Jesus. That's what Peter wanted. Peter wanted to have close proximity to Jesus. And so he gets there and Jesus says, let's have breakfast. Let's eat. That's how I know I'm pretty sure he's Baptist. For those that didn't get that joke, check with those that did giggle. So just just conjecture there. Jesus said to them, come and let's have breakfast. And they finish up breakfast in verse 14. And Jesus and Peter start talking. 
And on face value, we as human beings in, in the modern English day in America read this text and we really lose some of its weight. This, verse, this text loses some of its weight on us because we don't see it in the original language. So we're going to look at this from the original language. And I want you to see this. So Peter and Jesus have this conversation, verse 15 of John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? You love me more than everybody else? This group that we got here, you love me more than them? You love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16. And then he said a second time to him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, he said to him, then tend my sheep. And then verse 17, this is, a, this is the odd one, right? Verse 17, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then Peter says, Peter's heart is grieved because, why? He said a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know all Things. You know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, three times we read it in the English and it just says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's what we see in the text, right? So we think, well, why in the world is his heart grieved? Well, let's look at this. He's driving home a point. There's a couple different things that are happening in the text. How many times did Peter deny the Lord Jesus Christ? Three. How many times did Jesus ask the question? Three. Now, it's more than just, do you love me? The first one is, do you agapao me? Do you agapao me? Everybody say that. It's a big, fun Greek word to say it together. Agapao, right? Agapao. You learned something new. So he asked him the first time, do you agapao me? This means, do you, really, do you love me? Do you, just, do you have a burning, passionate love for me? Well, yes, I do. Number three, do you agapao me? Yes. I, I have a burning, passionate desire and love for you. Last one. Do you filios me? What? Ouch. What do you mean, do you feel it? He goes, are you even my friend? Do you even like me? That's why Peter's heart is grieved. Because Jesus looks at him and says, are you even my friend? Are you even my friend? And his heart is grieved. He said, yes, God, you know that I'm your friend. God, you know that I like you and I love you and I want to serve you. And then he's doing a restoration here. He's doing this restoration. Three is the number of completeness, too, in God's economy. So he, he's denied him three times. And Jesus is now restoring Peter thrice. He denied him thrice. Jesus is restoring him. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. He's bringing him back. He says, listen, I'm, I'm forgiving you for what you did. I'm forgiving you for what you did. He's driving home a point. This, this thing you're doing and about to do, Listen, you're going to get involved in ministry and I'm fixing to leave and you're going to get in this and this thing you're going to be a part of, it's going to kill you. 
History tells us that he was crucified upside down. He requested not to be, he did not want to be crucified the same way his Savior was crucified. So he requested that he be hung upside down on the cross. And he was old when it, when it happened. How do we know? Because the text tells us, hey, listen, there's going to come a day. Listen, you're young now, verse 18, and you, you can dress yourself. But there's going to come a day when you're going to have to stretch your arms out and somebody else is going to have to put your clothes on and you won't be able to see and they're going to be able to, they're going to pull you around at places you don't want to go. And it, you're going to end up dying. Verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death, what kind of death he was, go, he was to glory was to glory God. And after saying this, he said, follow me. Woo. And, and so we have this, this sin that, that, that Peter commits of denying the Lord Jesus Christ, not once, not twice, but three separate times. And on the third time, he uses an oath to say, I'm out. I can't do this. And so Peter has probably had this mindset for, for days now thinking, oh my goodness. How many of you guys have ever just battled some of the past in your, own, in your own mind? You've just thought about your past and things you've said, some of the things you've done, some of the things you've just been a part of, and you're just like, you just feel grimy and dirty. Anybody? This is Peter. Peter's feeling grimy and dirty. And Jesus is saying, do you love me? He's, he's show, making a point here. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. And here's what I'm telling you to do. Go preach the gospel and you're going to die for it. But it's going to be for my glory and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to, I'm going to make an example and you will bring glory to me and I'm going to restore you. You follow me, it's going to kill you. Count the costs. Do you really love me? Hmm. If you do, obey me. If you love me, follow me and obey me. Do what I've said. Follow me. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my bride. Now listen to me. I need you to understand something. Closeness to God is not about a feeling. I know some of you immediately, those music, the musical people in the room today, you went straight to that song. More than I feel that, right? Anybody? Just a couple. Yeah. That was, but closeness to God is more than just a feeling. Closeness to God is about being obedient to Him. Peter was obedient. He sinned, but he repented. That's the difference between him and Judas. Judas sinned and didn't repent. Peter sins and he repents. And God restores him. In fact, because Jesus was obedient, we have this promise that we have the power to be obedient. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. There's this, there's this thing that's here that you, you can follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've got to do what Christ has called you to do. And it's not always going to be easy. So the, so the question is, do you know Him? Not do you know things about Him, but do you know Him? Do you love Him? 
Are you willing to follow him? Well, Caleb, I don't know. That's a tough ask. I know it's a tough ask. Sunday school, you're, getting a, you're going to get a double dose here. But Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But then he says, But I say to you, you who have seen me, but yet not believed, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Now look at me. This is the... Listen, he tells us, listen, you're, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And I, there's no way you're going to get in without me. But here's the deal. All that the Father's given me, they're going to come. So it doesn't matter who you've got. You've been praying for your kids. You've been praying for your parents. You've been praying for your grandparents. God, please. Listen, there's coming a day. All that the Father gives Jesus, all the human, all the human beings that God gives Jesus, they're going to come. And all who come will never be cast out. Mm. This is the will of, verse 39, this is the will of Him who sent me that I should not lose that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but I will raise it up on the last day. So here's the security of the believer. When you're saved, you're secure. Why? Because God's the one, God's going to get who God's going to get, and He will lose none of them. He's not going to lose any of us. If you're called in this thing, you will never be forsaken. You'll never be cast out. It's a good thing. Then Jesus tells them, listen, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the bread of life. And then the Jews start grumbling. And Jesus says, don't grumble among yourselves. Truly, truly, whoever believes in me has eternal life. And then he goes in a little bit deeper. And he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, and, uh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. And whoever feasts on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And people start freaking out at this. You want to follow Jesus? It's going to cost. You want to, you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ? And Jesus isn't interested in a popularity contest. He doesn't need any... Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ does not need any one of us in this room, including your pastor. He does not need us. But here's the deal. He wants us. Two different things. Need and want are two different things. And Jesus finishes this up and says, most of the disciples, they leave him. They, they, they leave. And then he turns around to the twelve and says, Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been so harsh. I shouldn't have been so direct. Can we change direction and let me be a little bit more seeker sensitive? Let me be a little bit more um, palatable. Did I offend you? Did I offend you? Oh, that's not what it says. You're right, I'm sorry. Let's read that in context. That's not what it says at all, does it? <laughs> but Jesus, knowing this, that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? 
Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help to you at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who would believe and who would not believe. And who would betray him. And then he said to them in verse 65. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father grants it to them. They cannot come to me unless it's granted to them by the Father. And verse 66. After this, many of them walked with Jesus no more. They wanted the works of Jesus, but they didn't want the person of Jesus. They wanted his stuff, but they didn't want him. And then Jesus looks at his 12 and says, you want to go too? There's the door. Jesus is not interested in a popularity contest. He doesn't need a popularity contest. He's king. He has the final say of all things. He doesn't need our approval. He doesn't need a representative. He is king. He is God. And we don't have, he, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to. There's a difference between knowing things about Jesus, the, the group, he had just fed close to 20,000 people. They knew things about Jesus. They're so like, listen, this guy's a miracle worker. Look at him. He's got a road show. He's got some flash. He can make bread out of thin air and fish out of thin air. I want him. Let's make him king. So I can have a a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. Socialism utopia. Let's go. Let's sign him up. Let's go. Hurry, hurry. Jesus said, oh yeah? Let's have a conversation about it. You want to make me king? Here's how this works. You want to eat my, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, whoa, whoa. That sounds a little harsh, Jesus. That's, and they're grumbling. He says, listen, you can't come in here unless the Father tells you you can come anyways. You Wait a minute, Caleb, I chose Jesus. Okay, but you didn't choose him first. He chose you. And you can't choose him if he doesn't choose you. Where'd you get that? From the Bible. It's in the text. Bible says, what? Behold. This is what I told you. This is Jesus speaking. This is why I told you. No one can come to me unless it is granted to them by the Father. God has to grant you permission to come in. And if he doesn't grant you permission to come in, you ain't getting in. So how do I get in? Eat his flesh and drink his blood. Whoa! That sounds crazy, Caleb. Okay. But his... Flesh and his blood have eternal life. That's the, that's the whole point of the Lord's Supper. It's the picture. His body and his blood. We do it every month, right? It's a picture. Eat, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You'll have eternal life. People freaked out and they left. And Jesus wasn't trying. He said, listen, count the cost of what it t- takes to be my disciple. You, you want to follow me? Okay, go for it. But you gotta, you got to come to understand, you got to obey me. Jesus is not a gentleman that is whispering at the hearts of your doors. He is a king who shouts with a command, This is the will of my Father. Do I don't want to. You're being disobedient. I don't want to. You're being disobedient. 
Closeness to God is not about a feeling or a goosebump or a, a thrill. Closeness to God is about being obedient to him. And following what he's called you to do. That's what Peter does here in the text. Jesus restores him back. Restores him back. And so, the idea here this morning is, the last idea, verse 19. After saying this to him, Jesus said to him, follow me. Follow me. That's the call. If you're not willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and go all in, what are you? What are you, what is, what are you doing here? What's the point of coming here? Like, listen, this, is, this text that we read through is not a, three steps on how to make a mega church. But it's, it's steps on how to be obedient and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to follow Jesus well. I don't want to build a mega church. I want to follow Jesus well. Now, if Jesus chooses to make a mega church out of this place, then awesome. But guess what? Probably not. And guess what? I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Because I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want at the end of this Jesus to say, Do you even like me, Caleb? Do you even care about me? That's the question do you have this morning? Do you know him? Do you know him? You can. You can. But you've got to repent of your sins and you've got to trust the gospel. Trust the work of Christ on the cross. Repent of your sins. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And He will. How do we know? Because the text tells us. This is why we have to have our theology, our knowledge of God, based upon not what culture says, but what the Word says. We've got to be people of the book. If we're not people of the book, we'll be thrown every which way but loose. And the word says, if you confess your sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay, Caleb, I'm going to come down front and I'm going to confess my sins to you, pastor. Don't do that. No pastor, no priest, no rabbi can forgive. I can't atone for your sin. Pastor Caleb cannot forgive you of your sin. There's only one that can forgive you of your sin, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way you get forgiveness is if you humbly come before him and say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, I have broken your law. Please forgive me. I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've committed adultery. I have, I have done all things. I have murdered. I have done all things, Father. Forgive me. And guess what? He will. I, I heard the story this weekend about, you know, we sing the song every, all the time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me was penned by a guy named John Newton he was a slave trader had ships that he took and he transported slaves and on those slave ships he raped slave women killed them and threw them overboard not a nice guy but the Lord Jesus Christ 
John 6, all that the Father has given to me will come. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how far you've gone into this thing. All that the Father has given to me will come. And those that come, I will not cast out. Become, becomes one of the greatest pastors and breaks the back of slavery. And writes a song that we sing hundreds of, year, hundreds of years later. We, and sometimes we just read that song and we sing it. We don't think about that word. It saved a wretch like me. That man was a wretch, but so am I. And if Jesus could save John Newton, if Jesus can save Caleb Gordon, if, J if Jesus can save Walida, just saying, you're, you were just in my peripheral there. If Jesus can save you, can he save anybody else? Amen. Amen. What do you need to do? Repent of your sins and trust the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. That's it. Simple. Lay down your pride for two stinking seconds and say, okay, Lord, I am a wretch. But Lord, save me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him? Let's stand together.